Bengals Super Bowl chances rest on his right foot. The kick is up. It is good. Coffin nails. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. Continue a lot of our talks from yesterday about the Bengals and the Rams, what they did and what the Packers didn't do and what we can learn from this year's playoffs. Another instance where the Packers came up short. Yeah, we did that yesterday. I want to do a lot more of that today, including some some chats with a couple of guests. But first, I'm I'm trying to pick apart this new report that dropped about an hour ago. Not even dropped about 320. I'm looking at the ESPN report that was released at 316. Brian Flores is filing a class action lawsuit against the NFL, against the Dolphins, the Broncos, and the Giants. To sum it up really quickly, the Dolphins owner offered him $100,000 for every game the team lost. And the owner, Stephen Ross, got mad at him when they won games on the field. Okay. Okay. So that's one part of it. The Broncos, I guess Elway and company, showed up really late to a head coaching interview with Flores, and it looked like they were hung over. And then the weirdest part of this is Bill Belichick texted Brian Flores, congrats for getting the Giants job, only he texted him two or three days before it was released, and also Brian Flores didn't get the job, it was Brian Dable. Bill Belichick texted the wrong Brian. This is just bizarre, and I'm going to be honest, I need a little bit more time to pick through this before we can talk about this. But I thought I'd start today's show by just mentioning, uh, this is significant. Brian Flores is going scorched earth at the NFL. And it's probably good that he's shining a light to some of the... Well, it's not probably. It is good. I worry if he will get what he is seeking and whether or not this will destroy his coaching career and whether or not change will actually come from it. But it's good that it's happening. I want to talk about it more tonight, but I need a little bit more time to read about it and sift through it uh, because this only broke within the last hour. But I thought I'd just let you know... That's something that's going on, and I would imagine we'll get more throughout the show, and I'll be able to check Twitter over breaks and pass new info along to you, that kind of thing. But I want to start by picking up where we left off yesterday. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Best behavior today because we have a new guest joining the program. Phil Mackey from Score North is going to be here in 10 minutes. He's going to join us kind of right out of the shoot today to talk about the Vikings, the team that he talks about for his job at Score North. But I also want to ask him about the Packers and just hiring in the offseason and the playoffs and everything because there's so much going on. We have two fascinating new teams in the Super Bowl. There's a bunch of new hirings going on, including his team, which has their GM looking for their coach, which might be Jim Harbaugh, which is insane. I didn't consider that up until very recently, the last couple of days. So we'll talk with Bill Mackey coming up in about 10 minutes. Ben Kenny's going to stop by right at the end of the show uh, because the Badgers didn't get that transfer portal free agent quarterback, Caleb Williams. Uh, so I want to talk with Ben because he'll be able to speak a lot more accurately on that than I will. That's what's kind of going on throughout the show. Obviously talking Super Bowl and Packers and Aaron Rodgers and all the things we've been hitting. Send me a text or give me a call. 608-796-2558. Follow me on Twitter and tweet me at Wisco Grant. Yesterday, we talked a lot about the Bengals. We reveled in them advancing to the Super Bowl, right? Now the Rams too, but mostly the Bengals. Because I think we all have a little bit of salt towards the NFC. Even if the Rams didn't beat the Packers, I feel like that should be our team instead. So we focused on Cincinnati. 
we got to remember that the Bengals in the regular season were 10 and 7. Their win total was 6.5. And, and they were projected by a lot of middle models to finish around 13th in the AFC, bottom of the barrel. Now they're in the Super Bowl. We forget all that. But that's something we need to consider. What happened? What happened between even the rank of the regular, the regular season, where Cincinnati finished 10 and 7, the preseason where Vegas had him pegged around six and a half wins. Not only do they go over, but they finish way better in the AFC than anyone thought. And now they're in the Super Bowl. Well, what happened? Why? Well, we know Joe Burrow's excellent and Jamar Chase is awesome. But so is Justin Herbert, right? And while Justin Herbert doesn't have a young superstar receiver, he's got Austin Eckler. He's got Keenan Allen, right? There are other teams with good young quarterbacks, great young quarterbacks who have weapons. And yet the Bengals are in the Super Bowl. Well, some of these other teams, even like the Chargers, they straight up missed the playoffs. So why are the Bengals in the Super Bowl while other great quarterbacks are at home, including the Packers with Aaron Rodgers, right? Well, for starters, as I was kind of deep diving the Bengals today, it pays to have a kicker who is not perfect, pretty darn close. Evan McPherson, who's a rookie, 12 for 12 in the playoffs, and all of those kicks have come in one-score victories. One-score game is pretty important to make your kicks, right? His kicks throughout the postseason have added 9.3 points above expectation. It's according to True Media's EPA models. And maybe later on in the show, we can revisit that. I don't want to dwell on that for now. But some of his best kicks, the 52-yarder to go up against the Chiefs and take the lead 24-21, or that huge kick, the end of regulation against the Titans, right? They've had a great kicker. That pays dividends when you're playing close games in the postseason. By the way, this is something I was thinking about today, and I tweeted it at Wisco Grant. I think Green Bay is going to draft a kicker in this upcoming draft. And I think they're going to take said kicker in a round that makes a lot of Packers fans uncomfortable. (laughs) I don't know if that's the fifth round, the third round, the sixth. I don't know where, but I know they're going to take one. And I know that there's going to be a contingent of Packers fans, a large enough contingent, maybe not a majority, but a good group that are going to be peeved by it. Take that to the bank. I feel very confident in that. So the Bengals have got a great kicker. That really helps. Now, other than drafting their kicker, Mike Brown, who's their de facto GM and Duke Tobin, director of player personnel. They killed it this offseason. Offensively, they drafted Jamar Chase over Panay Sewell. This is largely unpopular, especially with the old heads, the traditional NFL people who cover the league. But it was 100% the right move. It wasn't always pretty, but quarterbacks are hugely responsible for the pressures that they take and the sacks that they take, especially. Quarterback is, is really responsible. Sacks are largely a quarterback stat. And Joe Burrow, especially as the season has gone along, has been a great mitigator of a pretty weak offensive line. Throughout the season, he took a sack once every four pressures. Against Kansas City, he took one sack on 16 pressures. He's getting better. He's getting smarter. He's figuring it out. They also traded Billy Price, who was bad, although found a nice role with the Giants. The Giants are bad, so it's tough to tell. But they traded away Billy Price for B.J. Hill, who picked off Patrick Mahomes on Sunday. Didn't that turn out to be a great move? And especially along that defensive line where they had lots of injuries, they needed the depth, they had the depth. That's a great move. The defensive moves to me are most impressive, right? They let William Jackson III walk, who was one of their first rounders, and instead they used that money to bring in Eli Apple, Mike Hilton, Shadobia Wuzie. They brought in Trey Waynes as well not too long ago. They let Carl Lawson walk, one of their great D-linemen, three years, $45 million to the Jets. He tears his Achilles in August. Instead, they signed Trey Hendrickson for four years, $60 million bucks. He was great this year, and he played. He stayed healthy. I'm not saying that the Bengals predicted Carl Lawson's injury, but didn't that turn out to be a great move? They added depth all over the defense. So what does this mean? 
Why are we deep diving the moves that the Bengals made in the offseason and throughout the season? Well, here's the rub. And here's where we can relate this to the Packers. On offense, they amassed options. It would have been really easy for the Bengals to draft Pinay Sewell and say, well, we took T. Higgins last year. We already have Tyler Boyd. But instead, they took Jamar Chase anyways. And most importantly, Joe Burrow threw to the open guy. Ten targets to Higgins on Sunday because he was open. Nine to Chase. Six to Boyd. He spread the ball around. So he is making his front office look good. Oh, give me lots of weapons. I will use them all. Lots of options offensively. Depth. On defense, they built a sum of the parts defense. Instead of going all in on two guys, they add five or six. Now, there are drawbacks to this, right? Because a great offensive play caller will know how to isolate and attack certain spots. We've seen that with the Packers, right? I think Joe Barry's defense this year very much is some of the parts defense. So the parts create this great finished product of a defense. But a good play caller knows, well, your defense overall is pretty good, but I know where the weak spots are. I can attack it. The Bengals did a pretty good job of, of not allowing that to happen. And their quarterback was so brilliant, he can make up and, and, and control a little bit of that, Right. What drives me nuts about this is the Packers did a lot of the same things. This is what the Packers did. The Packers, instead of going all in to add one extra player like Stephon Gilmore or Odell Beckham, although I'm sure they would have loved OBJ, they took what little money they had left before the season and squeezed every ounce of it to bring back Preston Smith and Dean Lowry. And then what little money they had throughout the season, they had Whitney Merciless. And they had Rasul Douglas. So now when we're looking around the roster, up front they have Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, Zedarius Smith, Whitney Merciless. None of them are Hall of Fame level players, but they have a handful of them. On the defensive line, I love Kenny Clark, but they kept around Dean Lowry, which proved to be a great move throughout the season. TJ Slayton, they drafted. Their, they have depth. They have options. In the defensive secondary, and we've talked about this, depth is huge at corner. Huge at safety because it allows a defensive coordinator to scheme different looks. If we're playing one great wide receiver versus three pretty good ones, if we're playing a rushing team, a passing team, you need options. You need flexibility on the back end. Packers had that. Kevin King, Eric Stokes, Rasul Douglas was huge. Imagine if they had Jair healthy, it would have looked even better. Although who knows if they ever bring in Rasul Douglas, we won't know. Long story short here, before we take a break and we connect with Phil Mackey, Brian Gutekinds did what the Bengals did. Brought in a lot of helpful pieces, depth, options, and the defense played really well. But the offense didn't do enough. Rodgers didn't do enough. Lafleur didn't do enough. Whoever didn't do enough. I thought the blueprint of the Bengals, outside of Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, actually mirrored a lot what the Packers were doing. And it's a bummer to see both teams succeed. Packers defense played great against the Niners. Looked a lot better this year than in years past. Great to see both of these teams succeed, but Joe Burrow... And his offense doing enough to get it done while Aaron Rodgers and his offense kind of squandering the success all around the roster. Those shrewd moves and losing in the division round. That sucks. A lot of comparisons to be made by the Bengals and the Packers. One team obviously went a little bit further. A couple weeks further. Let's take a break. We'll get connected with Phil Mackey of Score North to talk Vikings and Packers and playoffs and everything else. There's a ton going on in the NFL right now. So I'm uh, excited to talk to Phil. First time guest on the show. That's coming up in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Twitter at Wisco Grant. 
This big story that broke about a half hour before the show started. Brian Flores is suing the NFL. And there's multiple teams involved and there's a bunch of reasons. So I'm trying to sort through it as the show goes along so we can talk about it. I hate when news breaks right before the show because then I'm scrambling to try to figure it out. Luckily, we have a little bit of help. We have a first-time guest, Phil Mackey from Score North. Now, he talks about the Vikings, covers the Vikings. Phil, I just love all your work. I love how you and Judd talk about the NFL. I really love how you talk about the Vikings. And as someone who is a Packers fan but lives very close to Minnesota, we have a lot of Vikings fans listeners. We try to coexist. Uh, I'm really excited to get your input today. Thanks for being here. Well, we're just on Jim Harbaugh watch here. So, you know, just, uh, you know, wearing our wearing our khakis and our cleats and just checking Twitter every five seconds. Okay, well, tell me, am I the naive one? Let's start with Harbaugh. This wasn't even on my radar until like two or three days ago. Was I not paying attention or did this come out of nowhere? Uh, It kind of it it, kind of crept up quick. I caught wind of it on Saturday. Like, I think there was a. So there's an author, John Bacon, who uh, has he's close to the Harbaugh family. He wrote a book about Jim Harbaugh a few years ago, like in 2017 or 18. And he floated, I believe, on January 24th on his Twitter account. Hey, heard heard this from you know someone who would know don't sleep on the Minnesota Vikings or something of that nature. So this is only like a week old. And then I caught wind of it kind of like just in my own communication circles. On Saturday morning, and I was told that this is not just a rumor, that Jim is actively doing background research on the Vikings, and he is highly interested in the job. And then he had a, a conversation with the Vikings on Saturday. He's flying in tomorrow for a finalist interview, and he's he's all in. He wants the job. So I guess we'll see what happens. Okay, <laughs> and, and I don't mean this as a slight to the Vikings, because I think the Vikings are a great job. I love the GM hire. Harbaugh, assumedly, maybe with one or two exceptions, could have his pick of any job that's open. What do you think or what have you heard is attracting him to the Vikings? I also saw that you had Alex Boone on your show today talking about the differences of Mike Zimmer and Jim Harbaugh. So maybe why do you think Harbaugh is interested and how would the team look different from Mike Zimmer to a couple months later if Jim Harbaugh took over? What did you hear from from Boone when you had him on? Yeah, I'll start with just sort of the you know, Harbaugh's interest in, in the Vikings job. I don't know for sure that the Vikings are his first choice. You know, I, I know there were some flirtations with the Raiders. Uh, I had heard some Bears buzz at one point. I don't know how far that got. And then, you know, the, the, the Dolphins thing has always been interesting because Stephen Ross, their owner, is also a Michigan guy. And he has said all along, I don't want to poach a coach from my alma mater. <laughs> but once Jim started talking with other teams, it's like, oh, okay, I guess if the Vikings are going to get him, then you know, maybe I'm involved here too. So I don't know that the Vikings are his number one choice, but you know, the Raiders went with Josh McDaniels. The bears already hired their coach, Matt Everflues. So he wants back in the NFL. And I think, and I'm just speculating here, but I think he probably felt really slighted by the fact that Michigan made him take a pay cut last year. And then, you know, he brings him to the big 10 championship game after beating Ohio state. Then they go to the college football playoff. I just think he's kind of done with college football right now. Okay. And, uh, and the Vikings, you know, in terms of the differences between Zimmer and Spielman and Zimmer and Spielman, uh, Zimmer and, um, and Harbaugh, you know, Alex Boone played for both guys. He played in a Super Bowl as a starting guard for Jim Harbaugh. And he played, you know, two training camps in a full season with Zimmer. And he says, even though people think, they both have these sort of cantankerous, abrasive personalities. He said they couldn't be more different in their approach to team building and players. Hmm. And obviously one of them is an offensive guru and the other one's a defensive guru. Jim spends so much time 
in offensive meetings and working on details with offensive players. And he builds much more of a family-like culture behind the scenes. Uh, Not that he can't also be abrasive and difficult, especially for management to deal with, but he's far, far more different than Mike Zimmer than people think on the surface, according to someone who's played for both guys. Sure. Well, that's interesting. We're talking with Phil Mackey, Score North. One last thing on Harbaugh, because you had a take that I saw on your Twitter account. You can follow Phil at Phil Mackey. I loved this take. You said you're conditionally all in on Harbaugh, and I loved your reasoning. Can you share that with my listeners that maybe don't follow you, or, or can you share that with them? Because I love this take. Yeah. I don't love the Vikings running it back in 2022. They have the fourth worst cap situation in the NFL. They're like $12 million over the cap. It's going to be really hard for them to add free agents. Uh, I'm not a big Kirk Cousins guy. I think even at a reduced price, if they can restructure his contract, I don't. I just don't. You know, he's not a guy that elevates a team. You know, he's not a guy that brings your team back from behind on the road against a good team. You know, mm-hmm. think about what you need out of a quarterback in the playoffs. I don't think he provides that, regardless of what his salary is. But I do think Jim Harbaugh could be the one to unlock him more than almost any other coach. I think Kyle Shanahan probably falls in that group, but there's probably a couple other guys like, you know, Sean McVay could probably do it too. But um, so when I say I'm conditionally all in on him, I want him to be open-minded to the idea of trading Kirk Cousins for draft picks, getting $35 million in cap space back to build out a roster and starting over at quarterback with someone young and maybe not winning as many games in 2022. I don't know. I'm sure they've had those discussions with him, and I don't know where they're going to go from here. Um, But I think I've moved from conditionally all-in to just all-in, period, after my conversation with Alex Boone that we talked about today. Sure, he's solely on Harbaugh. No, I I get how that goes. Uh, You can find Phil's work. He's on Mackey and Judd. Purple Daily Pod. It's on his Twitter. It's at scorenorth.com. You should check out his work. I've actually been thinking about this. I don't know that I've said this on my show. I think the Packers and the Vikings with their quarterbacks are in comparable situations. Very different because Kirk and Aaron Rodgers are in different places. They're different caliber quarterbacks. But I think the situations are similar in that maybe these teams have reached the end of the rope with their quarterback. Both are good. They both have utility. But I don't know if the Vikings are going to get where they want to go with Kirk. And I'm not sold that the Packers, if they didn't do it this year, can get where they want to go with Aaron Rodgers. So maybe these teams look at at taking the next steps, moving on. But I know there's a big portion of Packers fans that's like, well, who's the next guy, right? What if Jordan Love's not good? What if we can't find someone? And I hear that with Kirk Cousins, too. If you get rid of Kirk, who's going to take over? I think, and I think you agree with me, Phil, so I want to hear your opinion. I, I think fans need to worry a little bit less about that. Because we just saw the Bengals go from what four and twelve or two and fourteen to now in a Super Bowl. I just think the NFL yeah. helps out teams that bottom out. I'm not saying the Packers should bottom out or the Vikings should, but if these two teams have to reset their quarterback position, I actually don't think it's this otherworldly huge undertaking that a lot of fans think it is, right? No, yeah, I think we think of like, oh my God, we're going to go into a rebuild. It's going to take everyone thinks of rebuild as what if you turn into the Browns from 1999 through 2020? It's yeah. Like, or the Lions. Well, it's really only a small handful of teams that can't figure it out ever. Like, there's like five just incompetent idiot teams, like the Jets, yes. the Browns, up until a couple of years ago. And, you know, it, I mean, the Packers are on the other end where, you, you know, you've just been blessed with two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time over a 30 year stretch. And there's a lot of Vikings fans that look over and they're like, yes, <laughs> please give the Packers 10 years of quarterback purgatory yeah. that some of these other franchises have to deal with. I think. What I would be worried about on the Packers side is it just it 
you know, listen, you, you got more Super Bowls than the Vikings have, and you, you know, you, you got two Super Bowls in the last 30 years, and that's plenty more than most other teams have. But it does feel like there's been some missed opportunities to cash in more over the past five years, especially in these NFC Championship games. And you know, it's, it's not like there's another step. It's like, well, Aaron Rodgers played like crap in the second half of that game against San Francisco, and like yeah. that was your chance to win it. The Vikings feel like there's another step. Like there's better quarterbacks to be had in drafts next year and the year after than Kirk Cousins. Like Kirk Cousins isn't the end game. <laughs> yeah. Aaron Rodgers kind of feels like, well, he is the end game, and he just came up short a couple times, and it's unfortunate, you know. Yeah, it it is unfortunate. It's frustrating. I, I don't think there's a version where they bring everyone back next year for one final ride. I, I think that was it. Now, if you want to bring Rodgers back because you don't think the NFC is very good and you can win the division, sure. I just. I'm thinking about Super Bowls, and maybe that's a Packers mindset. Maybe I've just become obsessed with that recently, but that's just my opinion. I want to ask you about the AFC and NFC championship games, Phil. Why is it that the Chiefs or the Seahawks when they were young or the Packers when they were young can charge to a Super Bowl, and it's so clear and obvious, oh, my God, the Packers were great in 2010, or the Chiefs and Mahomes were were unreal a couple years ago against the Niners, and they make it look so easy, and then every year it looks progressively harder. And not just because of contracts, right? Yeah. The Packers have had good teams. It's not because Rodgers cost more. They've had good teams, and, and it looks so much harder now. Why is that? When you watch the Chiefs or, or this version of the Packers, why does it look so much harder now than when these teams first won a Super Bowl? Because I'm trying to figure it out, and I can't. Yeah, I think some of it is – is, but, you know, I guess my answer here is, is going to apply more to the Packers. Like sure. when you – when you get to the point where you have to pay a quarterback like 30 or $40 million in a salary cap league, it becomes harder to build out the rest of your roster. I mean, I, I do think the Packers did a great job roster building, though, the last few years. I think for the Packers, injuries have been a thing. You know, I, it, it's, it's been hard for them to find just consistency up and down the roster with guys getting hurt so often. The Chiefs, it feels like they missed a dynasty window here. I mean, I, I kind of yeah. feel like the Chiefs should have rolled off like three straight Super Bowl wins because Patrick Mahomes was on this rookie-scale contract, and they could afford to go spend big in free agency on offensive linemen and some defensive players, and starting next year, and they can restructure it, but starting next year, Patrick Mahomes takes up a much greater percentage of their team salary cap, so they're going to have to say goodbye to some players. And that's the situation the Packers are in right now, too, right? Like, they're like $30 million over the cap. 40. Yeah. How do you bring Rodgers back? Yeah. 40. How do you bring Rodgers back? And Devontae Adams, and keep your offensive line. Like, it just, it, and not to mention, I think there's, once you win a Super Bowl, other teams are giving you their best shot week after week, and it becomes harder to put up the regular season record. And, you know, I, I just think maybe the hunger to win a championship is a little bit less. So, I don't know. It, it's, Outside of the Patriots for 20 years, it's really hard to sustain top-level success for more than like a three- or four-year fleeting window. Yeah, Packers fans would know. I would know. The last 10 years, it's been a lot. It's been great. A lot of wins, a lot of fun moments, but the playoff losses at the end yeah. of every year, they just they just get more and more frustrating. Phil, I appreciate this. I love talking with people, especially who cover other teams and getting their perspective on my team and, and on the NFL as a whole. So anytime you'd be willing to come on and talk football, I'd love to have you. It was nice to meet you. Thanks for the time. And I just want to shout out, I've got a bunch of family, the Solbergs, Olivers, and Mitbees in Bangor with Salem and Rockland. Yes. A shout out to my, uh, to my family out in your neck of the woods. Oh, that's awesome, Phil. I appreciate that. You're in Seattle, right? Did you just move out there because I, Seattle's awesome? I, I don't disagree with that. It's not minus 20 here in the winter, <laughs> which is nice. But, yeah, my wife and I moved out here, and uh, we've, uh, I, I'm 
from the Midwest, you know, Minnesota and my wife from Wisconsin for, for decades, but we've been out here for nine months and we get back once in a while. Midwest is always going to be my, my roots though. Yeah. Well, I, I don't blame me on the temp. We went to a show at first Ave in Minneapolis last week and it took about 25 minutes to get inside and it was like minus 15 while we were waiting to get in the door. So oh. I, I think you're, I think you're doing okay <laughs> out there, Phil. I, I don't blame you. Oh my God. All right, Phil. Thanks for the time. Well, thanks I'll let for you having go. me, man. Appreciate yeah. It. Yeah. I appreciate awesome. you, Phil. Thanks. You can find him. Scorenorth.com, Phil Mackey on Twitter. God, he's living large out in Seattle, and it's not that cold. It's 40 degrees today. This today, the data complain. Find Phil on Twitter. Check out his work. We appreciate his time and his perspective. Always. Let's take a break. We'll talk more about what we just covered, and I also want to bring kind of the Rams and the Bengals back into the mix. Talk more about the Packers, obviously. The Wisco Sports Show, back in five minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Appreciate you hanging out. We have some breaking NFL news. Brian Flores is going scorched earth. He's released screenshots. He's released stories about teams. He's he's going after the NFL. Um, Here's the quote from Brian Flores and his law team. It was time to stop being quiet about the injustices that are happening. This was long overdue. There's plenty of racism that needs to be exposed. So for those of you that missed it, quick update, and we'll get back into the Packers. I don't want to dwell on this today, but this is a huge story. Three teams in particular, the Dolphins. It seems like the Dolphins were trying to make him a little bit of a patsy in that Stephen Ross, the owner, wanted to lose to the degree that he was offering Brian Flores 100 k for every loss they had. Now, that's great. Money is great, but you're going to make money anywhere as an NFL head coach. What you want is job security. What Brian Flores wanted was to know that he wasn't just in there to lose for a couple of years and then get fired for the next guy. What also I find bizarre is if the Dolphins really wanted to lose that bad, why did they fire Adam Gase? <laughs> they had the world in their hand with Adam Gase if they just wanted to lose and bottom out. And yet they hired Brian Flores, who, oh my God, the nerve, he actually helped the team win. Wow. So the Dolphins are one team. Another is the Broncos. And I should actually probably pull up the report because I don't want to I don't want to misspeak. Um, I don't want to just speak in generalities and, and get something wrong. So. He was supposed to interview with the Broncos and said that Elway uh, and others were late and they showed up hungover like they had been drinking heavily the night before the interview. And that was a 2019 interview with the team. This is why I wanted to pull up these tweets. Quote, they looked completely disheveled and it was obvious they had been drinking heavily the night before. Elway's just not. Elway's not it. Elway's got a good spot in Denver where they can't really get rid of him and he can't really be in trouble for anything because he's a Broncos legend. But man, he just hasn't done a good job. And this just this just reads terribly too. The other team that he's upset at is the Giants because Bill Belichick texted Brian Flores, congrats on getting the Giants job, which he didn't get. But Bill Belichick accidentally texted Brian Flores instead of Brian Dable. He texted the wrong Brian to congratulate him for getting the job and in doing so kind of exposed that Bill Belichick of all people knew before it was announced who the Giants were hiring, making it seem like it was predetermined. They were going to go with Dable the whole time and maybe were only interviewing Brian Flores to cross off the Rooney rule box. I I don't know. I don't know. That's how it reads. So this is Brian Flores' lawsuit and he's 
releasing text messages. He's telling stories. He's absolutely getting after it. This is a fascinating story and one that I'm going to try to follow along with as the show moves along. 608-796-2558. I do want to talk about the Packers, who, by the way, we haven't even mentioned yet, fired Maurice Drayton, their special teams coordinator today, which I guess isn't a shock. Um, that's not going to fix their special teams. It's been terrible no matter who the coordinator has been, whether it was Sean Slocum, Sean Menenga, Ron Zook, and now Maurice Drayton. Uh, we'll talk more about that. I actually want to talk about special teams. I want to talk about wide receiver depth as well. And I started thinking about special teams and wide receiver depth today. When thinking about baseball, I love comparing one sport to another, looking for parallels, different ways to look at different things. Remember yesterday, if you were listening, Binks called in and compared the Packers by going into the playoffs to the Brewers week off. Now, guys, I'm going to be 100% honest. I don't think winning the Central six days early meant anything for the Brewers against the Braves, right? Come on. But I love the creativity. I love that Binks went there, and I love that he was thinking outside the box and thinking about the Brewers and the Packers in the same vein because I think that's how we think critically, right? We come at things from different perspectives. Now, I bring up baseball in this instance is because I think in baseball especially, there are certain organizations that are known for certain things. The Cardinals. The Cardinals develop starting pitchers. They always have. They do. They always will. It's just synonymous with St. Louis, right? The Astros now, they are synonymous with cheating. (laughs) And they will be, it seems like, for a long time. The Brewers, our Brewers, are synonymous with leaving runners in scoring position, right? Baseball, you have teams that are known for certain things. And that spans bigger than any GM, bigger than any manager, bigger than any player. It's an organizational thing, right? What are the Packers organizationally known for? Think before Matt LaFleur. Think before Mike McCarthy. Think before Brian Gutekunst. Think throughout the years. And let's talk like this generation. Let's talk about the 2000s. So mostly Aaron Rodgers' tenures. A couple coaches, a couple GMs. Right? What are the Packers known for? I'm going to just list off some things. Rich history. A lot of titles a long time ago. Most recently, a lot of great regular seasons that come up short in the playoffs. I know we're called entitled as Packers fans, but we've been to one Super Bowl since 1998. It's really not that much better than most teams. Now, some teams haven't barely made the playoffs or made the Super Bowl, but I, I don't I don't care what the Jets have done. I don't care what the Vikings have done. Measuring the Packers against other competent franchises in the league, they've come up short a lot. Right? The Packers, I think, recently, especially have been known for having good head coaches. Holmgren worked, Sherman worked for a time. Now Ray Rhodes didn't, but they moved off of him. They immediately they go Mike get Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy was good. Matt LaFleur is now good. There's not a lot of turnover there. Pretty stable, right? They're known for drafting and developing. For years under Ted Thompson, they didn't really participate in free agency. They're known for bad special teams, right? We've known this to be true since, I mean, I can remember 2013, 2014, the Sean Slocum era. Maybe it was longer ago than that, but still, even if it only dates back to 2014, that's that's eight years now. We know that the Packers are great with offensive line. They lost four starters this year and had a better-than-average pass-blocking offensive line. That's unbelievable. Really good up front offensively. The Packers, at least since 2015, known for not having great wide receiver depth. Right? They have a number one guy, and that's it. That's all. So that's six or seven bullet points that I thought of. I want to address two of them specifically. Special teams and wide receiver depth. I want to start with wide receiver depth, and we'll see if we have time before special teams. We might have to take a break before we get to that. Wide receiver depth. Two teams that we celebrated this weekend. Let's think about these teams for a sec. The Rams 
and the Bengals. And I have the box score in front of me for both the AFC and the NFC Championship game. Rams beat the Niners, Bengals beat the Chiefs, right? We talked about this plenty yesterday. You guys watch these games. I don't, I don't need to rehash this all for you. Right? These teams have wide receiver depth, right? The Bengals, they drafted T. Higgins and Jamar Chase, and they have Tyler Boyd in there as well. Wow, a deep wide receiving core. That's, that's great. Cincinnati, a lot of great weapons. And then the Rams added Odell Beckham Jr., and they had drafted Van Jefferson. And Cooper Cup might be the best wide receiver in the league right up there with Devontae Adams. And imagine if Robert Woods hadn't have gotten hurt, right? They have depth, playmaking depth. The Packers don't do that. The Packers aren't on the same level as the Bengals, and they're not on the same level as the Rams, and they're probably not. But the gap between the Bengals and the Rams and the Packers, I don't think is as big as we've been told. I don't think it's as big as we've been led to believe. There is a gap, and there is an issue, it seems, with depth, a playmaker, weapon. But I'm not sure Goody is the issue. Let's look at the target share for these games, okay? So my math from the Bengals game, let's start there. Joe Burrow threw 38 passes. 36 of them were actual targets, a couple throwaways in there. So of his 36 targets, 28% of those targets went to T. Higgins. That was 10. Jamar Chase got 25% of the targets. That's 9 Samaj P. Ryan, their third down back, got 11% of the targets. Joe Mixon had 8%. Tyler Boyd had 17%. And then tight ends Drew Sample and C.J. Uzama, who got hurt early on in that game, both had two targets apiece, so they're at 2%. Nobody in this wide receiving core had more than a quarter of Joe Burrow's total targets. A quarter. 25% went to Jamar Chase. And Jamar Chase was the guy who went for 266 when the Bengals played the Chiefs a couple weeks ago. So if there was one guy that maybe Joe Burrow was supposed to fixate on and spam the ball and throw the ball to half of the time, it would have been Jamar Chase. But no, he didn't. He only got 25% of the target, six of, or excuse me, nine of the 36. So I break this down to show you. Joe Burrow spread the ball around. He looked for everyone. He looked at everyone. And he would have had a great reason to to focus on Jamar Chase and force him the ball, but he didn't. All of these performances were really efficient. T. Higgins caught 6 of 10. Jamar Chase caught 6 of 9. P. Ryan caught 3 of 4. Tyler Boyd caught 4 of 6. Not inefficient here. He was going to the right guy because there weren't a lot of passes falling incomplete. What about the Rams? Let's talk about the Rams. Well, Matthew Stafford in this game threw 45 passes. 42 of them were targets. There were three throwaways. Cooper Cup had 14 targets. That's 33%. And Odo Beckham had 11, which is 26%. Blanton and Van Jefferson had 12% apiece. So the ball got spread around. Matthew Stafford fed Cooper Cup a lot and fed Odo Beckham a lot because they're great, but also sent some balls to Kendall Blanton's way. Tyler Higby got hurt, or he, otherwise he probably would have had more than three. Van Jefferson got five targets. It's not like Cooper Cup had 20 targets and Odo Beckham had six. It was very balanced. Mina Kimes tweeted out a really good stat. I think it was yesterday. Matthew Stafford completed 83% of his passes to Odell Beckham in the playoffs for 236 yards. Really good connection. Really efficient. And Cooper Cup catches everything. So the catch percentage of all the Bengals wide receivers would tell us that they're being targeted at the right time at the right place. Because most of the targets that's going to Higgins or P. Ryan or Mixon or Boyd, they're catching. It's very efficient. You look at Odell Beckham. He's completing 83% of the passes thrown to Odell Beckham. That's a great number. Cooper Cup catches everything, making sure Van Jefferson stays involved as well. 
the balls being spread around. And yes, we need to give credit to the Bengals front office for taking Jamar Chase over Panay Sewell. And we need to give credit to the Rams and, and honestly chalk it up to some luck too that Odell Beckham became available and of course wanted to come to L.A. But Odell Beckham could be brought in and if Matthew Stafford won't throw him the ball, it doesn't matter. Right? T. Higgins was drafted last year. Tyler Boyd's a good receiver. But that doesn't really matter a lot. That doesn't get the Bengals very far if Joe Burrow's just going to zero in and force feed the ball to Jamar Chase all the time. Here's where we can relate it to the Packers. The Packers might not have drafted T. Higgins, and they might not have an amazing number two wide receiver. But going back and looking at that San Francisco game, Alan Lazard was open. Randall Cobb was there and available to make plays, and Aaron Rodgers didn't really look their way. So we can talk all the time about how the Packers need to be more aggressive in getting other weapons and drafting guys in in the upper tiers and in the first and second round. And, and yeah, maybe they should. Maybe it is due for them to take another potential number one wide receiver because Adams could be moving on and they don't really have someone on the trajectory to take over. So it might just be time. But the last couple of years, I think Brian Gutekunst has done his job. This year, I think he did more than enough. He brought back Randall Cobb just for Aaron Rodgers per his request. Additions aren't going to help if Aaron Rodgers doesn't throw them the ball. Alan Lazard was playing great football. And I like people get mad at me because I'm too critical of Alan Lazard. I'm always saying he's not a number two. He never will be. Nothing that he can do will tell me that he's a number two. Man, Alan Lazard was open a lot in that game. And he was playing such good football. And I watched that, that Bengals game and think, oh, Alan Lazard could have done what T. Higgins did. If only he got the ball thrown his way a couple of times and he didn't. It's an organizational thing. Yes, the front office and the coaching staff and the scouts, they need to evaluate and target and bring in good weapons, but they don't mean anything if the quarterback doesn't spread the ball around the same way that Joe Burrow did, the same way that Matthew Stafford did, not in the way at all that Aaron Rodgers did not against the Niners in the divisional round a week ago Saturday. It's one thing I was talking about. I was also thinking about special teams and how it's, in some instances, an organizational problem. That goes beyond the GM or the coach, Packers and the Vikings. We can reference both teams to talk about this. Let's do that coming up next. First, we'll get a report from the Super Bowl. Mike Clemens is in L.A. We'll hear from him coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, here's Mike Clemens. The Bengals and the Rams getting ready to face off in the Super Bowl. We'll have coverage every day. Live from L.A. beginning next week on the Bill Michaels Show from Super Bowl 56. A year ago, the 4-12 and Bengals finished in last place in their division. Now with Joe Burrow at quarterback, the kid who grew up in Ohio has Cincinnati back in the big game for the first time in 33 years. Bengals defensive end Sam Hubbard on how incredible the turnaround has been. Yeah, no doubt. The thing about Joe and myself is uh, we've we're winners we've won our whole lives and you know I've been pretty miserable along with a lot of my teammates the last few years losing so many games you know I told Joe we need you like you're the guy to turn this around I know it what are the odds a kid from Athens Ohio national champion Heisman winner primed to be the number one overall pick and we happen to have it it's just, you can't even write stories like this. It's amazing. Wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. was asked what it's been like playing for the Rams after his time with the Giants and being traded by the Browns. It's been everything, you know, from McVay, Stafford, Coop, being integrated into the plan, taking me in, just pushing me for excellence, the, the, the weight room. Everything about this place is right and it's done right. And it's just been an incredible opportunity um, that I feel like just trying to make the most of. And, you know, here we are playing in the Super Bowl, one game away from our 
dreams and just keep going. In Chicago, the Bears have officially hired Packers quarterback coach Luke Getze as their new offensive coordinator. The Bears' new GM, 36-year-old Ryan Poles, had this to say. We're going to build through the draft. We're going to acquire young, fast, and physical football players. And the last thing, the most important piece, is we're going to take the North and never give it back. Best NFL coverage. As Mike Clemens, wait, Ryan Poles wants to build through the draft and acquire young, talented players? Oh, my God, they're they're reinventing the wheel in Chicago. We're screwed. Of course, all GMs say that. And I'm not ripping on Ryan Poles for that. Although I do kind of like the, the reigniting the rivalry a little bit. It's like an episode Always Sunny. Go to Philadelphia after 10 years. And they want to reignite the rivalry. So they go mess up the dude's bar and they destroy his house. It's kind of what Ryan pulls it. Let's go. Let's get some juice in this. I love it. Thanks, Mike Clements, for the report. He's in Los Angeles. And uh, <laughs> I'm probably the only one that thinks this is funny. But I just make myself laugh at the thought of Mike Clements taking a break to get down to Venice Beach to just go pump some iron. Take his shirt off and just get jacked. <laughs> I, I don't know why I think it's funny, but it is. Um, I might be the only one that finds it funny, but I find it really funny. Tom texts in 608-796-2558. Oh my God, is this breaking news? He says, Grant, a good friend of mine was in Denver while he was on his way back to Aspen to deliver a briefcase for Roman after she left it at the airport and he saw Aaron Rodgers' house shopping. Okay, Tom. So it's not that I don't believe you. I do. I believe everything that every texter sends me ever. Without question. So if you send me a stat, I'm going to read it on air. I'm going to treat it like fact. And I don't see how I can be held responsible for it if it's wrong. If a texter sends it, if you call, you're going to get on air. I don't have a call screener. right? right? There's no there's no blockade of information here, Tom. So I'm not saying I don't believe you. Here's my question. How does she know for sure that Aaron Rodgers was house shopping? Did he have a realtor with him? Was he sitting there on his laptop on Zillow? Look, when you say he's house shopping... I guess if you saw Aaron Rodgers in Denver, that's fascinating in and of itself. Just tell me that. Oh, my God, I have a friend that was at the Denver airport, saw Aaron Rodgers there. That, that's a great scoop. That's interesting. That's enough. But when you say hey, he was house shopping, well, you don't need to add that. Now, that. now that seems too much. seems like too much. So if this is true, Tom, I'm giving you advice. Cut the house shopping off. Unless you know for sure, like, went up and looked at his laptop and he was on Zillow. Okay, well, that's one thing. But you lose me when you say that he was house shopping. Just say Aaron Rodgers is at Denver. That's a bitching story in and of itself. People are going to listen to that. They're going to believe that. But the house shopping thing, it's almost too much. So, so trim the story down. I'm giving you advice on how to, how to share this. I find this interesting. The Denver airport is a fascinating place, by the way. You ever been to the Denver airport? If you are a conspiracy theory person, that place is, that place is heaven. And we don't need to rehash a conspiracy theory about the Denver airport, but just go, go check it out sometime. Go watch a video. Do, do your own research. I recommend uh, take your travel into your own hands uh, and, uh, and and do your own research on the Denver airport. It's fascinating. The money that went into it, the way that it was built, the structure, all these different things. All right, go ahead and look into it. Oh, my God, I'm an idiot. Oh, it's a dumb and dumber reference. Thank you for the texts. I, I got my sports brain on. You can't do that to me, Tom. You're making me look dumb. It's a dumb and dumber reference. Why did see again? I believe I'll believe anything you guys text me. You, you got to keep this in mind. You have to keep that in mind when you send me things. Is I'm not. I, I don't always have my brain turned on, and then I'm waiting for a reference. And that's my bad that I didn't pick up on that. But like, 
I don't know. I people text it all the time. I got a friend in Green Bay that says this. I my ears were not perked up for this, so I'm sorry. Now I see the Dumb and Dumber reference. Now I feel dumb. Feel dumber for having gone through this. But then again, my original point still stands. If you see Aaron Rodgers in Denver, please let me know because that's that's a scoop. Also, the Denver airport conspiracy theory. Absolutely. Um, I don't know who's calling in. I don't have my caller ID open. We got about a minute and a half, but I can take your call real quick. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? This is Jim from Sparta. Jim from Sparta. What's going on, Jim? Well, it's Tim, uh, but that's oh, okay. Oh, Tim. I'm um, sorry. I, I didn't hear you. Thank, thank you, Tim. That's okay. Um, Aaron Rodgers, over the last couple of years, mm-hmm. has, I think, shown that it's time for him to go. I think he's the greatest thrower of the football I've ever seen. But his mindset of, if this guy, if I see this guy has this matchup, this is where I'm going, screw the rest of it, showed up big time um, in their last game. Yeah. And that's what comes from the game. You are, without a doubt, absolutely correct. Now, did special teams screw up? And yes. eventually, yeah, they cost me. Mm-hmm. But Aaron Rodgers, in this instance, um, I will put the majority of the blame on him because he kept trying to feed the ball to Devontae. Couch was open. Lazard, who I think is a number three receiver. Yep. You are right. He's not a number two. He's a number three. Was open all the time. And he just kept trying to force the ball to Adams because he looked at the, co- at the initial coverage and said, this is what they're in. This is where I need to go. And by the time that he went, he looked it off, looked back, and then said, wait a minute, they're in a different coverage. It's too late to go back to Cobb. It's too late to go back to the Lazard. He's eating the ball. He's throwing it away. He's making a bad pass. It just, it's time. I don't want to see Jordan Love. I I think we've seen (laughs) enough of him. Yeah. Um, there's, There's nothing there. I, All right. Seriously, there's nothing there. But I think it's time if we can get three three picks for Aaron, go to Denver. All right, Tim. I, I got to let you go because we got to go in about 15 seconds. But I agree with you, and we'll talk yep. more about this on the other side of the break. Thanks, Tim. And I'm and I'm sorry for botching your name. Tim from Sparta, not Jim. I got to be better. I got caught by a dumb and duffer, a dumber. I messed up someone's name. I, I need to take a walk. We'll be back in two minutes. Super Bowl chances rest on his right foot. The kick is up. It is good. Coffin nails. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. Look, I'll admit when my performance isn't up to snuff, okay? When we got a great guest and we're getting good calls and good texts and there's good topics and, I, and I'm not delivering, I'm not doing my job, I got to call myself out. I, I'm struggling today. The last 10 minutes were tough. Somebody sent in a Dumb and Dumber reference. It was a brilliant one. It went right over my head and I thought it was real and I can be better than that. And I'm sorry. We got a call just a couple minutes before we took the la- that last break and it was Tim from Sparta. And I called him Jim and I know better. I know Tim. He's a great contributor. He calls in. He makes great points. He doesn't waste time. And Tim, I'm sorry. I got to be better. Okay, my brain is there today. My brain is there. I love the topics. I love we got some news. Brian Flores is going scorched earth at the NFL. That's great. Packers have fired their special teams coordinator. The Bengals are in the Super Bowl. 
right? We can talk about some of the coordinators that are leaving the Packers. Adam Stenovich is now the OC. There's brilliant things to talk about. I, I'm just, I need to get my, you know what, in line here. I need to get lined up because I'm struggling. I need to be better. And I think the second half of the show, I will be better. I, I promise you. I make that vow to you. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Ben Kenny is going to join us in about 45 minutes. We'll chat with him to wrap up the show. Caleb Williams is going to USC. I did not too heavily invest myself in the Caleb Williams saga. I don't know why. Some, sometimes I get excited about things. Some, sometimes I don't. I, I don't know why. I, maybe it's because I never believed that it would happen. Maybe I just, maybe I didn't care. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, maybe Graham Mertz is the boy who cried wolf in that. Oh, he's the best quarterback we've ever had. Super excited. And he's just, he's really underwhelmed so far through two years. And I get that that's not all his fault. I'm not ripping on Graham Mertz, but I don't know. Maybe I'm dulled a little bit. Maybe I'm muted to the excitement of a new quarterback. I don't know. I just never really bought into this as a story. And I never really got that excited. So I'm very, very enthused that we're going to get Ben Kenny in about 45 minutes because I need his help. Like, explain to me what was real, what wasn't, what was truly on the line because I just, I, I never even jumped into the story with both feet. There's enough going on with the NFL. Ben Kenny is awesome with this stuff. You hear him on the Bill Michaels show. He will be here in 45 minutes. Give me a call. Give me a text. 608-796-2558. Oh, Tim in Menominee says, you called me Tom. No, I did not. We have two people texting Tim. And I'm struggling today, but don't put that on me. Tom texted in with a Dumb and Dumber reference, then corrected me, and you also corrected me at the same time, okay? So Tom is texting and Tim is texting. See, this is, <laughs> I'm making lots of mistakes today, but don't put that on me, Tim. You're my Menominee brethren. I don't need that from you on the talk and text line, 608-796-2558. Let's stay in the Chippewa Valley. Andy is in Altoona. Andy, what's going on? Welcome. Hey, I, I just got to say, I, I, I don't get this mindset of we need to move away from Aaron Rodgers because he doesn't have what it takes to win. We need to move on. Okay. Like, I get being frustrated with it, but mm-hmm. if you could pick any quarterback in the league to replace him with, mm-hmm. who, who's going to do better than him? So, like, you know, obviously, like, Patrick Mahomes comes to mind, right? Yeah. Well, look what he just did. Is that is that not any different than what Rodgers just did? I guess I don't understand yeah. taking someone of less talent and thinking we're going to do better in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. When even though we know, like, we're not going to get anyone better than Rodgers, but we think, oh, we just need to go in a new direction. Like, for a quarterback, I don't, I don't understand that mindset. I, I get being sick of him, but Tom Brady has poisoned the mindset of how successful a good quarterback should be in the playoffs because he's won so much. I agree. With the that. reality is, if you look at if you look at most quarterbacks, they're not successful all the time in the playoffs. Even the best quarterback. Look at Peyton Manning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, before he won with Denver, when he had that team, he it was his this was his mo. If it wasn't for Brady, we wouldn't have this mindset. People need to just erase Brady and his success and be real because we're not going to do better than Aaron Rodgers in the next three years. If you want to start rebuilding now, that's fine, but that's what it's going to be. But we have a window right now with a good team. We need Rodgers for the next three years if we want to keep hitting that window. Yeah. I think if Aaron Rodgers is willing to take a pay cut and come back next year, I'm, I'm all about that, right? We'll go to Aaron and say, look, we want to have you back. But unless you give us a little money, we're not going to be able to keep the team you had last year. And we want to contend oh, with you. We, we don't want to waste your time, Aaron, right? And you can, you can butter him up a little bit. You know, if you're going to be here, we, w- we don't want to do you a disservice. So, you know, take a little bit of a pay cut and we can spread that around. I'll hear that. Um, I, I also think you brought up Mahomes. Mahomes has made four AFC championship games in a row. His career is very young. I think where I differ with Rodgers from Mahomes 
or Josh Allen, who just came up short, is that their careers are just starting. Aaron Rodgers has a track record of like a decade now where you're coming up short again and again and again. And maybe one Super Bowl is is great, and we should be happy with one. The problem is with the Packers, it came so early that now we've just been sitting on our thumb for 10 years. You know, maybe if it came at the end of his career, we'd look at it differently. Would that change things for you? Possibly. Well, here's the thing, and I've, I've said about Mahomes too. What if Mahomes never made it to another Super Bowl? Would you be surprised? Uh, um, and here's my example. Look question. at Brett Favre. Yeah, yeah. Brett Favre won yeah. three MVPs, won a Super Bowl, lost the next year, never went back. If I told you Mahomes was going to do that, you'd, be, you'd tell me I'm crazy. But people said the same thing about Favre. There's no way Favre is never going to make it to another Super Bowl. And he played really well for the rest of his career, mm-hmm. but he never made it to another Super Bowl. It is so hard to do, and people are so – I'm sorry, Packers fans, you're so spoiled. It's, it's not that easy. Brady just ruined it for everybody. Look at Marino. Look at all these guys. It just it's, it's not easy to do, but Brady ruined it for everybody. Yeah, I think, well, what if I would have told you when Rodgers was on the podium in 2010, what if I came to you on that night in February of 2011 and I said, Andy, they're not getting back to another one? What would you What would you have said in that moment? You know what I mean? What, how would you have reacted to that? Not as, I would not, I would not have been as surprised as after the next season you would have told me that. That's after true. his 15-1 and one season, then I'd be like, there's no way he's never going back. But, okay. and that's just how it is, like, and, and everyone wants to put this game on him, but... And, you had a great conversation about the shuffling of the offensive line, all the other stuff that was going on. Mm-hmm. Like there was just, it was just the perfect storm of disaster that we just couldn't overcome. And that sucked. And I feel like, and same thing, you had the conversation about adversity. We overcame adversity this season, but we did not overcome adversities in mid game. No. And that was a, that was a shell shock for us and we couldn't overcome it. And the weather affected our ability to really get that momentum. Like I wish we were playing in a dome. It's, it's the one time I wish like, I wish we weren't at home. I wish we were in a warm place. I just feel like the offense can do better in that situation, and we just we couldn't overcome everything that was going on, which sucks. It is bad. It was bad timing for a bad game. It does suck. There's a lot of things that you just said, Andy, that I want to address, so I'm going to let you go, and we're going to keep talking about this. I appreciate the call. Thank you, Andy. Yep. Andy and Altoona. Have a good night, man. 608-796-2558. Okay, so there's a lot to unpack here. First, let's start from the point of Patrick Mahomes never making it back to another Super Bowl and what that would mean. I was watching last night Eric Eager's podcast. Eric's on the show from time to time. He's one of the more recurring guests on the show, Pro Football Focus. And he's a Chiefs fan. And he said after Sunday's game that he will never view Patrick Mahomes the same way again. After that meltdown in the second half where Mahomes just wasn't seeing the field. He was running around a little flustered. They gave up an 18-point lead at home as a touchdown favorite in the AFC Championship game. He compared that loss to the Packers in 2014 or the Packers in 2011 or some of the meltdowns that Peyton Manning and the Colts had. I, I, and this is where I can't wrap my mind around football. And I asked Phil Mackey about this back at 415. And it's not that Phil didn't have a good answer. He did. But, but he didn't tell me anything that I hadn't thought of previously. Of course, you know, once you win one Super Bowl, quarterback gets paid. Other teams start trying harder against you. All of these things. You're not sneaking up on anyone once you win that first Super Bowl. But there's some unexplainable effect after the Chiefs won their first one in Mahomes' first year or second year as a starter, I guess, 2019. They got close in 2018. Or Rodgers in 2010. Or Russell Wilson in the Seahawks in 2013. Or now, I mean, if Joe Burrow wins it, then we can we can do this case study all over again with the Bengals starting next year. Why is it that when the young quarterback 
the good team and the up-and-coming team breaks through and wins the Super Bowl, that it looks so much harder moving forward. The Chiefs sometimes this year, it looked like they were pulling teeth to win games. And there were moments where it looked really easy, too. You could see the the ceiling. You could see the high end with the Chiefs. You just didn't see it in as long stretches. You, you only saw it in moments here and there. Once a team wins a Super Bowl, they come back the next year and the next year, and it just looks so much harder. It doesn't look easy and free and fun like it looked for the Packers in 2010 or, or the way it looks for the Bengals right now. It, it looks like... Almost a completely different game, and I don't know why. Yes, I understand the quarterback gets paid more, and that prevents you from putting together a great roster every year, but the Packers had a great roster in 2013, 2014, right? They came back in 2019, 2020, 2021. They had a great roster the last three years. There are five or six years where Aaron Rodgers absolutely had a Super Bowl-caliber team, and Aaron Rodgers, in conjunction with Mike McCarthy, couldn't get it done. Aaron Rodgers, in conjunction with Matt LaFleur last year and with Mike Patton, couldn't get it done. I'm not even I'm not blaming Aaron Rodgers completely because, as Andy from Altoona said when he called, other quarterbacks experience this, too. There's some unexplainable effect that once you win that first Super Bowl and you come back and you try to do it again, I, 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 don't, I don't know. The losses are so impactful. Like, what happened to the Packers in 2014? was so shattering and so splintering to the franchise that I think that year and that loss has affected everything they've done since. Whereas that loss in 2009 to the Cardinals, I didn't. we got over that so fast. We never thought again about 2009. Like in 2011, 2012, 2013, when you're trying to get back to that second Super Bowl, we were never thinking, oh God, I hope 2009 doesn't happen again. That wasn't in our psyche. But once you win that Super Bowl and you have an ugly loss or two, man... Again, I was listening to Eric Eager's pod, and I wrote it down because I thought this might come up today, so I want to be able to reference it. Let me open this up real quick. I have it in my Google Docs. The quote he says, um, he said, I'll never look at Mahomes the same way again. He compared that to Rodgers in 2011 and 2014, and the quote was, that's why guys never get back. And maybe it's as simple as, you have fewer chances. Once you win that first Super Bowl and the quarterback gets paid and, and you're on everyone's radar... You're not flying under anyone's, you're not sneaking in. You get every team's best shot and your chances are few and far between. So when you blow a great chance in 2014, it takes three or four or five years to bounce back from that. And then they blew another great chance in 2020. And and I think those bad losses, they reverberate, right? That their effects spread far and wide into the next couple of years. And it really impacts these teams. It makes them gun shy. The Chiefs lost an 18 point lead at home. They gave it up as a touchdown favorite to Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor. I really like the Bengals. I really like Joe Burrow, but it, it's not like they got they got got by a 10 and 7 team. This is this is philosophical or as deep as I've thought about football and playoff success in a long time. And there's a lot of unexplainable effects and forces going on and I, I we saw it with the Packers now and we can look back over the last decade, but now we can look at the Chiefs in the same way. The Russell Wilson Seahawks are another great example. These teams that, that got it done early and then for whatever reason don't get back. I can't put my finger on it. I don't know what it is. Past, of course, the salary and, you know, you're going to get team's best shots. Those, those things we know about, but there's other forces at play and I'm I'm trying. I'm really trying to figure it out. Eric is on I-90. Eric, what's going on? Welcome to the show. How you doing, Grant? How oh, doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing a lot of deep thinking today, so it, I kind of got a headache. But other than that, I'm doing swell. How about you? I'm doing good. I, I like deep thinking. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's, that's, that's the way to go. I, I wanted to 
I, I, I heard Tim, Tim from Sparta, his call about, you know, Aaron Rodgers and stuff like that. And I would tell Tim it's obvious that he has not listened to Chris Collinsworth talk about Aaron Rodgers <laughs> and his psychic ability. Oh, my God. And they must have been, they must have been off. Okay. You're still um, on that, huh? You're still thinking about that all these weeks what, later? No, listen. We get to... <laughs> I think we get to listen to Chris Collinsworth again now Sunday night. Or do they have the game? Yeah, NBC's got the Super Bowl. Oh, that's great. And then we get to listen because, <laughs> you know, Chris Collinsworth played in 1988 Bengals game, right? Oh, yeah. He'll love it. Are you kidding me? He'll be made for this. I'm excited. He'll, he'll be so fired he'll, up. He'll, he'll do okay. No, I, I'm over it. I'm over it. I just came to mind when I got yeah. when Tim was talking. That's funny. Um, but anyways, you were talking about uh, – uh, Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. I, you know, you know, there's one big difference between Patrick Mahomes' games this year in the playoffs and, and Aaron Rodgers. Patrick Mahomes was given it, except for that, except for that loss on Sunday. All, every other playoff game I've seen him play, it's an extremely high amount of effort yeah. yep. to win that game. And I, I don't think I've, I don't think you, I think you would agree. That's been kind of missing with Aaron Rodgers here the past couple of years. Would you agree? Yeah, I, I don't. Th- the Chiefs don't win when Patrick Mahomes doesn't play amazing, right? And that's kind of how their team is designed. That's how their offense is designed. When was the last time you came out of a playoff game thinking, "Oh my God, Aaron Rodgers was amazing"? Not just not just good or pretty good, but amazing. It's been a while. I agree with you there. Um. One other thing I wanted to point out, which is kind of, which is kind of odd, and I, I don't quite understand it, but all of these quarterbacks, even even like Tom Brady last year, mm-hmm. all of these quarterbacks that are in it now, they're not afraid to throw interceptions. No, no. All these guys throw, all these guys throw interceptions all the time, I, and, yeah. I, and I can't quite figure that out either. It's like. It's, and so I don't know. Maybe you got to be a little bit willing to cut it loose, you know. Well, maybe maybe it's a, think of baseball. We were talking about baseball earlier. What we've realized is that strikeouts actually aren't that bad. They're worth the risk of hitting an occasional home run. Maybe just maybe an interception, as long as it's the right kind of interception. Maybe along those lines. I, I don't know, but I know where you're coming from, Eric. I think it's an interesting perspective. So that's about all I got. Looks like we might have. Uh, Jim Harbaugh is our our head coach, and I don't really get any feeling one way or the other about that. How about you? What do you think? Uh, I mean, he's successful everywhere he goes. So I think if you're going to bet on success, he's got a track record. I think he'll do a good job. I, I don't know. I think Jim Harbaugh is going to want to come in and win right away. Jim Harbaugh doesn't want to waste time. So that might change what they do or don't do with Kirk Cousins. What they do. I, I don't know. I, I think bringing Jim Harbaugh in is going to lead to a different path than going with a different coach, don't you think? Right, but Jim Harbaugh has got a tough decision right out of the gate. Yeah. You've got Kirk Cousins' record as like a turd burger <laughs> all year long, and but he makes the Pro Bowl. Yeah. He makes the Pro Bowl. Of course. I think, figure it out? I, I can't figure it out. Yeah, I think, and Eric, I'll let you go after this. I think Aaron Rodgers should be forced to play in the Pro Bowl as punishment for playing poorly in the postseason. I think they should make him play. That's how that should work. Yeah, they should make him play. <laughs> they should make him play. I don't know. Hey, you know, we don't have the answers, but no. 
we're going to get here where the Bucks are going to be. It's going to take a month or so or two, and the Bucks will be back in it again. We'll be fine. It'll all be good. All will be right with the world. Thanks, Eric. I'm going to let you go. We're going to take a break. Yeah, bye. Have a good night. That's Eric on I-90. Vikings fan. I don't feel one way or another about Harbaugh. <laughs> it says no one ever. Eric, you're a treasure. Thank you for the call. Let's take a break. I got some texts and people chiming in. We get a keyword here. Butterfly effect. Butterfly effect. I want to talk about that. I think it works for the Favre Packers, the Rodgers Packers. I think it works for the Chiefs. I think it works for a lot of these teams. Butterfly effect. Let's talk about that coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Ben Kenny going to be here in about 25 minutes. We're going to talk Caleb Williams. What happened? No, uh, truly what happened. I don't know, and I need Ben to to tell me. Uh, Before we took that last break, I was looking at texts, and we're talking about all these teams that looked to be so promising. They were about to be dynasties, and then they weren't. And I read a couple of texts, and the phrase butterfly effect came up a couple of times. And when I said that before the break, I knew that if Schmidt on the north side was listening, he would send me the Spotify link to the song Butterfly Effect, uh, which is this song, because that's the kind of thing Schmidt on the North Side always does. I think the term Butterfly Effect can be applied to the Packers twice. I think in the late 90s and in the 2010s with both Favre and Rodgers. I think you can apply the term Butterfly Effect to the Chiefs and maybe the Seahawks as well with Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll in the mid-2010s. Here's what I, here's what I mean. Let's start with the Chiefs. So they blow an 18-point lead to the to the Bengals, right? And last night, I'm, I'm sitting down, and I'm about to watch my favorite podcast, which is the PFF Forecast with Eric Eager and George Shahuri. And Eric is a friend of the show and a diehard Chiefs fan, and he was at the game, and I knew he was going to be bummed. He was going to be devastated, but he's a pro's pro, so he was doing a great pod and breaking the game down. And in this pod, he said, I will never look at Patrick Mahomes the same way ever again. Right, Things are changed. Things are different from here on out after that loss. Now, physically and financially and structurally, things won't be the same because Patrick Mahomes' cap hit is going to go way up next year. I I pulled it up. Mahomes' cap hit. Let me pull it up for reference. Not that you need the number, but I think it just helps. Patrick Mahomes' cap hit goes from $7 million to $36 million next year and then $46 million the year after. So structurally, things quite literally are going to change for the Chiefs, but I think the Chiefs are changed emotionally, spiritually, religiously, whatever. In the same way that the Packers were, let's use it, let's go chronologically, the Packers in the late 90s. So Dave, Triple P, in Houston, Minnesota, I I think. Houston, Minnesota, not Houston, Texas, right, Dave? I got that right? So he texts in uh, and says, butterfly effect. Josh and Eau Claire set this up as well. He said, Brett Favre won his first Super Bowl, lost his second, and lost the NFC Championship game in his third run in dramatic fashion to T.O. and the 49ers. So what happened to the Favre, quote-unquote, could have been dynasty, right? Wins the Super Bowl, almost wins the second, comes up short, and then the next year loses in, in, in wild fashion to the Niners, and that sticks with them, and they never really get back. Well, they don't get back. 
They come close in 2008, but that was it. Now with the Packers, nearly 2010s. They win in 2010. They come up short in 2011. They deal with some injuries, some weirdness, and then they're ready and rearing for a run in 2014. And what happens? They lose in dramatic fashion, in in heartbreaking fashion to the Seahawks. And I would contend, knowing what we know now, I don't think things were ever the same after that Seattle loss. I think that impacted them in 2016. The Falcons were better, but they weren't that much better. I think that impacted them in 2019. The um, Not the Falcons, but the Niners were better, but not that much better. I think it impacted them against the Bucks two years ago. I don't think the Bucks were better. I think the Packers came in and Rodgers was rattled. They fell behind early. They made mistakes. And then they couldn't get it done in the second half. And I think like Favre in the late 90s, Came close on top of the world, and then something happens that shakes the team to its core, and they never recovered. Same with Rodgers the second time around. What about the Seahawks? The Seahawks are on the come up. They win a Super Bowl, and then they come back next year, and they might be even better. They squeak by the Packers. They get into the Super Bowl, and what happens? They lose in dramatic, heartbreaking fashion to the not the Denver Broncos, but the Patriots. They throw that interception on the one-yard line, and they're just floored. They're shocked, and they never get back. They never look like the same team. What about the Chiefs? Chiefs win a Super Bowl. They come back the next year, think they're going to win another. They get blown out, muscled, bodied, put on put on a poster by the Buccaneers because their offensive line wasn't up to snuff. So they get physically manhandled. They got ragdolled, right? They come back the next year. Here we go. We're ready. And then they blow an 18-point lead at home as seven-point favorites. Now, I'm not saying the Chiefs will never be back. Patrick Mahomes is brilliant. I don't know what Andy Reid's future is like, but the Chiefs are a very good organization. But history would tell us, win a Super Bowl, come close, have a meltdown. That happened to Favre. That happened to Rodgers. That happened to Russell Wilson. Right? We've seen this before. I'm not saying the Chiefs will never get back. But this is a blueprint we've seen before, and teams don't normally recover from this. This normally has an impact on a team that really changes them at their core. It's the butterfly effect, right? It ripples and it has residual effects. It has aftershock for years to come. Kelly and Barneveld says it's psychological self-inflicted pressure. The same thing happens to pro tennis players after they win a slam. Interesting. I know nothing about tennis, but as I said earlier in the show, if you text me something, I will believe you, Kelly. That sounds absolutely applicable and correct. John Boy. Oh, you're texting me about... uh. You text me about Caleb Williams. We'll get to that before too long. He says, I want to keep Rodgers, but only if he spreads the ball and the wealth. Yeah, things are different next year if Rodgers comes back. Because I don't think the Packers are any longer going to wait hand and foot and say, we need to change the offense for you. We need to get you a new head coach. We need to get you a defense. We need to get you special teams. We need to get you number two. No, 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 no. We ran this every which way, all sorts of different ways for years and years and years. From 2010 to 2021, we bent heaven and earth. We moved mountains. We changed personnel. We changed this. We changed that. You haven't been good enough when you've had great opportunities. So if you want to come back, all right. I think the Packers love to have Aaron Rodgers back. I think that's genuine. But you need to take pay cut. You need to spread the ball around, dude. Like, figure it out in big games. You got guys running open. You won't throw them the ball. What the hell is that? Figure it out. I think the Packers, compared to last offseason now have a lot more leverage. They come from a position of strength. Maybe not contractually, maybe not financially, but just in public perception. It's like, hey, uh, Rogers, 
You came up short again with a great team, and we put a great roster on you, great defense. Yeah, we were banged up, but we did everything you could have wanted. You were the number one seed. You even got snow. You had fans in the stands. You blew it, and you blew it after a year of kind of dragging us through the mud and the muck, kind of making us look bad. You made yourself look bad. We now have the leverage here, buddy. So if you want to come back, it's on our terms. I, I feel where you're coming from, John Boy. Really quick before we take this break, let's go to the phones. Brenda is in Madison. Brenda, what's up? Welcome. Hey, no problem. What's up with you? Oh, uh, not much. I, I feel like we're doing some psychological human condition stuff here, and I love that we're all tag-teaming this and adding something. I'm, I'm enjoying this conversation. Uh, yep, I agree. I think it's psychological and money, and it gets in people's head. If you look at, like she said, tennis, golf, Take baseball, Yelich. Yeah, Yelich. Ooh, Yelich. I mean, do, do you, you know? think Yelich will ever be the same? That, that's a great question. He's got the injury, and now I just don't this know. meltdown season. That's another really interesting one. Uh, yep. So that have that happens a lot in baseball, golf. Like, how many people like win win a golf, you know, whatever, and then they, you know, never get back yeah. to winning again. Tennis, you know, Tiger Woods. Yeah, Kelly's tennis, tennis is an example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tennis, you know, I mean, soccer, probably not so much, but they're just head cases anyway because they hit the ball with their heads. <laughs> but, um, you know, <laughs> so, you know, they got damage going on. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, you know, you see it in a lot of sports, and I think football is the same, you know. And also, they, they you know, they get there, they get to the Super Bowl, they get the big bucks, and then there isn't enough money to go around for the other players to get decent teams around them either. So that's another problem. Yeah, if they run it back next year, it's, it's going to be different. When I say run it back, they won't run it back. But if they bring him back and they try to contend again, it's going to be different. It's going to feel really different. The Packers, I think, will be coming from the position of strength. The Packers will be asking Rodgers for things. It's like, look, if you want to stay here and play with yeah. your guys, this is what we need from you. Great. Right? Which is, yeah, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't mind. That's okay with me. Come on, you got more money than God right now. You're dating a Hollywood movie star. Do you really need any more money? Come yeah, on, well, do, a couple extra com- do, a co- do a couple extra State Farm commercials, you yeah, know? Yeah, it up. well, and that's the question. It's like, well, dude, you've got all this money. You've been successful for a long time. What do you want? Do you want a paycheck or do you want a Super Bowl? Because we could trade you. We could trade you, but if you want to win a Super Bowl, we can help you, but you got to help us first. I, I agree with you there. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I just think it's, it's more mental than it is anything else for a lot of these guys. Um, Brady, maybe, you know, maybe he just never let the mentality stuff get to him, and maybe that's why it's worked for him. But, you know, he's a rare breed. Most people, you know, they win, and then it's the pressure of, I'm, now, I, now it's all on my back because we got to give back. Even if it's a team sport, they're like, oh, it's all on me. And when you think about it, it has been all on Rodgers. It has all been on Mahomes. It has all been on Russell Wilson. You know, you hardly talk about hardly any of the other players much. It's all them. Yeah. So the pressure is all on them. Well, it's a good point, Brenda. I think it's because quarterbacks are there for so much longer. Like, players come and go in Seattle. Russell Wilson's been there the whole time. Aaron Rodgers has been there the whole time. Patrick Mahomes is going to be there the whole time. So if we're talking about psychological, it's that quarterback that remembers six years ago when things went wrong, whereas other players on the team might not. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. But well, they also are like, I think they also get the God complex, too. You know, they're, they think they're Neo. They think they're the one. You know, yeah. and are they? Are they really? Well, I mean, you're, 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 yes, yes, yeah. you're a big cog in the wheel. You're, you know, you're the biggest cog in the wheel, probably. But are you really the only cog in the wheel? No. 
Yeah. There's a lot more that goes into it. It's a team sport, right? That's what we've said for a long time, although I think we're becoming a little bit more frustrated with the one guy who has just so much input and, and impact on the game. Brenda, we got to take a break, but I appreciate the call. I, f- I feel like we're learning things. Have you added a lot to that. Yeah, you as well. That's Brenda in Madison. Have an excellent night and a great week. Let's take a break. We'll touch on this for a few more minutes, and then we got to get to Ben Kenny to talk Caleb Williams at 545. Wisco Sports Show back in a few minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports show. My name is Grant Bills. You have to give me a sec. Uh, I'm so strong and physically imposing that I just pulled my microphone off the stand. So if you'll bear with me, I'm just get this screwed back in real quick once. Ben Kenny's going to be here. I wonder if Ben Kenny's ever pulled a microphone off the stand before. He's a producer. I bet if Ben or Bill ever had a microphone issue on the Bill Michaels show, you know it's Ben that's fixing it. Probably fixed a microphone in his days for Bill, the big unit. Ben's going to be here in 15 minutes. I think this is fixed. I hope it doesn't fall off again. There we go. Give me a call or a text. 608-796-2558. You can tweet me as well. At Wisco Grant. We're talking about the Packers and how they came up short, but we're talking about the Chiefs and the way in which they came up short. And then maybe think about the Russell Wilson Seahawks. We thought they'd be back. They never were. We thought that the Brett Favre Packers would be back at some point, and they never got back. There's some similarities with these teams, right? Right? We all see it. It's kind of spooky. And if I were a Chiefs fan, I would certainly be a little nervous that history was about to repeat itself. That's what we're talking about. There's this effect, and I think it's psychological, in that when a team makes a Super Bowl and wins and enjoys that success, and now the expectation has been set, you got to get back. You got to get to another one. You got to win at least one more, right? In 2010, when we watched Aaron Rodgers and Clay Matthews on that podium with Terry Bradshaw after the game, what were we thinking? We we were counting them. We were thinking, we'll be back once, twice, three times, maybe four times. Who who knows, right? This conference is ours for a decade. Aaron Rodgers isn't even in his prime yet. Look at these guys. Look at these guys, right? And then they never got back. And I, I guess one could say that we were naive. And we expected too much. And we never should have started to count those rings that night when when our team was on the podium, right? But I, I don't think so. I think all fans of all teams with young quarterbacks that are on the come up think, oh my gosh, we're going to be back. We're going to win a few of these. I think we all think that. But the Brett Favre Packers, they experienced trauma two years later, losing to T.O. in the Niners. And, and I think that stuck with them. I think the Seahawks experienced that. The Packers experienced it in 2014, a year before the Seahawks, a couple weeks before the Seahawks experienced it themselves. I think 2014 damaged emotionally two NFC teams that were never the same, just two weeks apart. And I think maybe, just maybe, we might see that with the Chiefs. We'll see. I don't know. We're going to have to watch the next couple of years and see if that's the case. Let's go to the phones. By the way, Ben Kenny's going to join us here in just a few minutes. I think I said that, but just to remind you, we're going to talk about Caleb Williams. He chose USC today. So Ben Kenny, Locked On Badgers, and you hear him on the Bill Michaels Show. He'll be here in a few. Right now, uh, well, I actually don't know. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? It's David, but not for my cell phone. Oh, man, you sound so clear, David. Are you on your landline? Are you at work? Well, what's, what's the story here? What's going on? 
Yes, I have a landline. I'm ancient. Well, I'm a Luddite. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to criticize you for that because your voice is so This is maybe the best, most highest quality call I've ever heard. So I appreciate it, David. What's going on? I think you're being way, way too hard on Aaron Rodgers because okay. it's so easy to point to the games that were not lost by Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, the Seattle game that should have gone to the Super Bowl, there were... There were special teams plays that were awful. We're ahead 16 to nothing, and Seattle is lining up for a field goal. And the only thing you have to worry about is a fake field goal, and that's what they do and get a touchdown. Mm -hmm. And, of course, there's the play at the end of the game with the onside kick. That is not on Aaron Rodgers. And, in fact, if we talk about last year's game against Tampa, a guy named Brady threw three picks. Yeah. It's not all on the quarterback and I think you're you're putting way too much emphasis on him only getting to one Super Bowl as though it's his fault. I I have mixed feelings about him coming back next year, not because of next year and not because of the year after that. I just think if you can get with a guy at age 38 three, four really high picks, mm -hmm. you can set yourself up for four years down the road, five years down the road, six years down the road. But in terms of next year, I want him back. Now, if he comes back and he comes back to try to win a Super Bowl, there's one thing, one thing that he must, must, must do. What is that? Take a pay cut. Take a pay cut. Yeah. I mean, that's the answer. It makes no sense for him to come back and then expect to get whatever it is, $40 million, $50 million. Because if he does that, his chances of getting to the Super Bowl are going to be blocked. Yeah. And so, the, I mean, I have to say, the only circumstances under which he comes back to the Packers is working out a deal that allows them to keep some key players. Just one more thing. Mm-hmm. The loss of Bakhtiari at the end of both the 2020 and the 2021 season may have cost them two Super Bowls. I'm not blaming Bakhtiari for that for either year, although this year, you got to admit, it was pretty strange him playing in Detroit and then not playing two weeks later yeah, at that's, home. Yeah, that's frustrating. That, I agree. That makes no sense at all. But, you know, I read today for the first time when, surprise of surprises, they let the special teams coach go. I read for the first time that the guy who was hiking the ball was undersized, and that's part of the reason that San Francisco could send a guy right through the middle to block the punt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's not on Rodgers. I am not prepared to say who it's on because I don't know. But to find a guy who can be a long snapper and actually just do anything but whiff on blocking the guy coming right up the middle, that's not on Rodgers. Yeah, I, I agree. And look, there's just a lot of things that have happened over the last decade, and it's a bit of a tragedy. And this is something we're going to talk more about, David. I just, I don't know, at the end of, at the end of all of this, I'd look back and think, man, I wish if Rodgers would have overcame some of that crap just once. And sure, it's not on him to be perfect all the time. 
but just once. And David, first of all, your phone is amazing. Your points were amazing. This is a 10 out of 10 call. Unfortunately, I got to let you go because we got to get to Ben Kenny. Yeah. Good to talk to you. Get to Ben. Bye. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, David. You're you're so considerate. I thought those were awesome points. Those are great points and points that we're going to continue to talk about and consider. Let's take a break and we'll get to Ben Kenny because I want to talk about the Caleb Williams thing for just a couple of minutes when we wrap up the Wisco Sports Show. Coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports Show, final segment. Uh, if you've joined within the last hour, you missed the 4 o'clock part of the show. Phil Mackey was here from Score North. Talk about the Vikings head coaching search, the Packers a little bit, the NFL playoffs. We covered it all. It was fun. Uh, so you can check that out on the podcast. Just search Wisco Sports Show. I'll post it just after 6 o'clock. Right now, I'm glad we could get him. He's a busy man. Ben Kenny. Four hours a day, you hear him on the Bill Michaels Show. You hear him on our Madison affiliate, The Zone, as well. Ben, um, it was fun. We thought maybe Caleb Williams is coming. He is headed to USC like we probably always thought. Are you holding up okay? Was this a shock? Are you bummed or is this kind of what you expected? Yeah, fun is definitely the word I would use. Um, I never really surpassed maybe 25 to 30% confidence that he would even come to Wisconsin. Yeah. So well, the news was expected that we saw today, but it obviously was not ideal. By the way, I have to I have to commend you because you got more out of this story and had more fun with this story than like anyone else. You were connecting dots on Twitter. You were tweeting out connected like you own this story. And even though it didn't happen, you like I feel like it did happen. I feel like you won, even though Caleb Williams didn't come to Wisconsin because I enjoyed following along. I mean, I appreciate that. Yeah, I definitely it's happening now when college football is not at the forefront, even with National Signing Day tomorrow. Yeah. It was it, it was almost worth it just having, you know, this week, two weeks of experience. It was really fun. So we always expected him to go to USC, but for those who weren't in on this, Caleb Williams, obviously a huge quarterback recruit. What was, why was there ever legitimacy to even consider this? Like we know rumors get thrown around, but what, like what was keeping this legit to, to we thought, you know, maybe Wisconsin, what, what were some of those things that you were talking about? Well, the biggest thing was it seemed to be a lock. As soon as he decided to transfer from Oklahoma, everyone thought that he would immediately go to USC where Lincoln Riley, his head coach at Oklahoma, was. The thing that kept it legitimate is that it didn't happen for months. Sure. So that's when more questions were raised that he didn't just commit right away, and Riley was doing a great job in the portal. Um, Aside from that, there was Wisconsin's hire of Bobby Ingram as offensive coordinator, and it's a big, always sunny in Philadelphia meme of Charlie in front of the board yeah. trying to explain this elaborate conspiracy. He, uh, family friends with Bobby Ingram, Bobby Ingram's son, Dean Ingram, on Wisconsin football team, was a cornerback, has since been switched to wide receiver. They announced that yesterday. And Caleb Williams, good family, friends, or idolizes Russell Wilson, who was obviously played under Paul Christ when he was offensive coordinator in 2011. So it was the combination of all that stuff. And it was, and Wisconsin did meet with him a couple weeks ago. Like it was reported that Wisconsin was in the mix, and they did go and meet with him. So it wasn't just crazy rumors. Because um, we were getting, I, I was tweeted at months ago, these <laughs> uh, the connect the dots thing. But then when they actually met with him, you got a sense that it could actually maybe happen. Um, but obviously, it was not enough to overtake USC. Obviously, a lot of nil money. I mean, there's just a lot of money. There's a lot of rich people that want USC to be good. 
Um, and I'm not saying there aren't great boosters and, and the NIL isn't as big of a deal for Wisconsin, but is Wisconsin for any player at any point going to be able to fork up big money on par with some of these other schools? And if so, like, how does that look? How do you picture that being a thing if that's possible? Uh, this would take me an hour to explain, okay. um, but the short answer is no. Okay. But by other schools, if you're talking about your Southern powers and USC, Wisconsin will not reach that level because Texas A&M reportedly, Lane Kiffin talked about this today, head coach at Ole Miss, Texas A&M was for, like, they probably paid uh, seven figures plus for kids in their class to, to commit there, both yeah. recruiting and transfer portal. That's just not figures that Wisconsin is going to reach. Um, so the short answer is no. It's a much longer explanation as to why, yeah. but I, I don't think that's really a problem, right? They could still use it to their advantage. It's just, it, it's the same thing with recruiting. They're not going to go compete with Alabama and NIL money yeah. or Texas A&M or any of those schools the same way. They probably can't go into Florida and take the number one overall recruit in the country. It's, it's just not going to happen. We're talking with Ben Kenny. He's amazing with the Badgers. Find him on Twitter at Ben Z. Kenny. I tweeted back at you today uh, messing around, but you were tweeting about some wide receivers that the Badgers were flipping and getting after and guys they've added in the last few weeks, big guys. Uh, can you talk about that just for a minute? And because and, obviously college football is changing. There's the transfer portal. There, there's all this. So could you kind of add some color to the info you were tweeting about today and some of these guys they've got and what that means? Oh, Wisconsin has done some really good work this offseason in the portal. First of all, they pretty much recrafted their secondary. Obviously, Fayon Hicks, Caesar Williams, gone after last season, starting cornerbacks. They picked up Cedric Dort from Kentucky, Jay Shaw from UCLA, and one other cornerback who is slipping my memory right now. Mm-hmm. And the, the two first guys I mentioned, they can really play. They, they were starters at their respective schools. Jay Shaw, I think, was one of the highest graded by PFF corners in the Pac-12 last season. So that was big. They also picked up Keontes Lewis, wide receiver, from UCLA. Now, he was a true freshman last year, so he didn't really play. But he's six foot three, And I say that as a significant height because Wisconsin also flipped in the class of 2022. Uh, today, Chris Brooks from Yale, wide receiver, who was also 6'3". And I made this joke that I, I can't remember the last time Wisconsin had a six foot three receiver. Because when I think back and think of all the tall guys they've had, They've literally all been six two. Yeah, but it is. I they did do very well. Um, obviously, there are questions because a lot of the defense is gone, and the secondary was a big place of turnover. But I think Paul Chris did a really good job. I I think because the, the portal's interesting. Again, it could go on for hours. Yeah, but it's it's kind of the dichotomy of using it as like a stopgap before you get other recruits to play the position, oh. or as a multi year fix. And I think uh, Paul Chris has done a little bit of both. There are some guys that have one year of eligibility that are going to come in and play this year. Then there are guys like Keontes Lewis who have four that could help the team uh, for a while, kind of like what they did with Chuz Malusi last year. So I do think Paul Chris did a really good job. Well, that's interesting, and that makes me feel good because maybe we think Wisconsin's a little old-fashioned, and I love how you explained it as using it a stopgap. That's, that's really interesting, and I want to talk more with you about that sometime. 30 seconds, Wisconsin-Illinois tomorrow night. What are you thinking going into that huge game? I don't know if Kofi Coburn is playing, and it okay. might be announced. I just haven't seen it. If he does, at Illinois, it is hard to see Wisconsin winning. But I said that before the Purdue game. I said that before several games this year that they went on to win. I think it's going to come down to, is Johnny Davis on or is he not? Because yeah. we've seen a couple of games recently. I was at that Michigan State game where if the shot's a little off, now obviously Wisconsin played without Tyler Wall, might be their most important player. I had that take last week. Yeah. Um, 
But if if Johnny Davis is off, I don't think they have enough to compete with Illinois. And if Coburn plays, as soon as the bigs get in foul trouble, it'll be trouble. Yeah, that's funny. I, I love the idea of, well, he's not their best player, but he's their most important. Like, that's that's the kind of take that I could stand behind, and it's funny that it's Tyler Wall uh, compared to Johnny Davis. Okay, Ben, thank you for the time today. I appreciate you hanging around and, and waiting until the end of my show to chime in and, and the info on Caleb Williams. And I'll have to text you, and we can talk a little bit about the Illinois game tomorrow night because I think it's going to be a huge litmus test. So I'm excited. Thanks, Ben. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, Ben Kenny, you hear him on the Bill Michaels Show. Follow him on Twitter, at Ben Z. Kenny, because I'm always learning things about the Badgers. He's obviously in Madison. I mean, he's on campus. He's he's right there. He's really close to all this stuff, but following the Badgers at, at a much closer degree and a much closer level than I am. I'm amped for tomorrow night's game, and I'm really excited to watch, but Ben can add things, too, that um, well, I'm learning from Ben all the time, so I appreciate his time, and I appreciate having him on. Um, Try to get Andy Herman for this week, so just keep that on your radar. Pack-A-Day podcast. I'd love to kind of break down the end of the season. Perry Goldstein's been busy as heck, but I'm trying to get her back to to kind of eulogize the Packers season. So maybe some things coming up this week. Enjoy your nights. Bucks, Wizards, enjoy. We'll talk about it tomorrow starting at 4.